Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of the Partners Financial Podcast. I'm Kristen Bulat, and today I am joined by Jane Hall, Cindy Davis, and Duane Kilbo, the majority of the members of the NFP Crack Underwriting um, Advocacy Team. And Jane, Cindy, and Duane are all here to give us an update on underwriting trends, what we're seeing as we head into the end of the year. So thank you all for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jane, let's jump right in. Can you talk about some of the trends that you're seeing in underwriting and some shifts that maybe you're seeing within the industry? Sure, we're seeing um, uh, quite a few things uh, this past year and a half has really been uh, uh, the velocity of change has been tremendous. And so some of the changes we're seeing are um, carriers going down several different tracks, I would say, like triaging the cases that they're they're working on and that into the high net worth um, kind of group and then also to the automated streamlined underwriting for perhaps the middle to lower range of cases are I think the two biggest trends and electronic health records to be sure is uh, and other electronic data sources we're seeing carriers use. Would you say, Jane, that the increased velocity of change is just a natural progression of the industry, or has the sort of pandemic shift to Zoom recording like we're doing now really sort of pushed carriers forward maybe faster than they would have otherwise? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Prior to COVID, um, there would be probably the majority of the carriers we work with anyway had already uh, begun um, trials and studies and all sorts of things on, on these different uh, vendors that are out there available to them. And so they had already been in the mix of doing it, but they really had to uh, push the pedal down when COVID came and um, or COVID arrived. And I think one of the biggest shifts we saw is certainly people not wanting to have that interaction with other um, parties that they didn't have to. They're reducing their risk by not wanting face-to-face contact. So, Cindy, can you just talk to us a little bit about these executive physicals or the concierge underwriting and how that sort of fits the, the moment where people aren't necessarily wanting to go out and, and do the traditional exam? Yeah, sure. Um, So several carriers have come out with what they call concierge. So if the client had already gone to, uh, let's say, a Cooper's clinic or a Mayo clinic and had an executive physical where they've had all the types of tests that normally we do for life insurance, blood, urine, EKG, um, they were willing to accept that in lieu of, um, because a lot of people during the beginning parts of COVID, for sure, were not going to their doctor's in person, they may be having video um, doctor's visits, but the carriers really opened up to allowing um, tests that have been done in the last year in lieu of um, getting an insurance exam. And that was a big change for the industry, even at quite large face amounts. So, Dwayne, uh, sorry, Jane, 
Oh, I was just going to add that in doing that, it was really a win for the clients because they're less invasive. It reduces the cycle time more. It's just definitely more customer centric to do approach. Mm -hmm. But also carriers are not a nonprofit organization. So I would imagine that it's a win for them as well, right? Yes, correct. It is a win for the insurance companies. less expensive underwriting a typical insurance exam, you know, with the EKG could go up to be a hundreds of dollars. So, um, yes. And are they maybe even getting access to information that they wouldn't have normally gotten through a traditional insurance exam? Uh, yes. And I mean, you know, maybe Dwayne can talk about some of those electronic sources. I think claims information is a really interesting one. Yeah, Dwayne, what do you think about that with the electronic data sources? Listen, I mean, I, I think, you know, I kind of going back what Jane's earlier, you know, uh, comment was, uh, you know, the industry has seen a real acceleration into various tools and, you know, ways that we can speed up the underwriting process, things that we can do to enhance the decision-making process as well. You know, it's really interesting too that, you know, with COVID, you know, accelerated everything and brought everything to the forefront. And a lot of carriers have had R&D type things, you know, going on for quite a while. Um, you know, some of the things, and, and I think Kristen, you said it a minute ago, you know, the, the, the industry moves at a glacial pace. It really does. You know, mortality is one of those things that can be really unforgiving. And so what's happened with a lot of, you know, a lot of what's gone on is that they've looked back, they looked at back at their enforced block of business, coverage that they've issued, they overlaid these new models, the EHRs and things on top of it to see what's happening. Now, what we're seeing, however, is carriers actually doing things prospectively, you know, not taking the time necessarily to look back, but to look ahead and then to measure those things against, you know, uh, maybe uh, uh, situations where they might periodically get an APS the traditional way as well as the electronic way and see how those things too, you know, how they look and see if they match up well together. Now, having said that and kind of a long way that wanted to answer to your question, a lot of things have occurred, you know, and historically we've seen pharmacy checks with script check and Milliman. Those are still there, but what's happened, they become real enhanced. They become enhanced to the point where there's actually mortality, um, you know, indications associated with it. It's like a red, green, yellow type of moniker. So if you get some drugs in combination with one another, that might be a red that tells you you need to do something else. So there's, there's some there's some real thought that goes into it. You know, we still have the LexisNexis risk classifier, TransUnion true life risk, uh, again, which are credit attributes. Those are still there, still being used in a lot of expedited manners. Um, we have Milliman, which James just talked about with claims. Uh, they had a process where they'd use um, uh, pharmacy databases and other things, but now what they've done is they've actually looked at the claims databases for health claims and looked at, uh, and, it, and what, it, what it basically gives you is a indication of procedures. These are procedure codes. They don't really give you a diagnosis. They just give you procedures. So if you get an application, for example, that somebody says, listen, I had a, I had an appendix out and all of a sudden you get a procedure code that said, had an appendix out. That makes you feel pretty good that the information you get from the client is fairly accurate and, and and, and true. And so it kind of lends itself to approving a case much quicker than you'd probably be in the past. Things like lab picture. Uh, it's an exam one, um, it's an exam one product that actually goes back a period of years and captures lab information. Now lab picture is kind of cool too, because not only do they catch capture things like for quest, but there's lab core data in here too. So if you can think about the 
the whole populations that people that get uh, labs by LabCorp Quest, which are the two of the largest uh, reference labs in the United States, they probably kind of take about 50 to 60% of the population. So again, tools that they can use that exist out there that again, give them certainty. And again, with things like EHRs, you know, we have Claretto, we have MIB EHRs. Just again, it's a different process to get medical records, but you know, you can get information in days versus weeks, you know, so you really eliminate this delay. Now, having said that and all the coolness that is around it, there's still a lot of, you know, a lot of things that need to improve there too. Not everybody is on uh, electronic health databases where you can get this information. So you have that problem and not, uh, not all information is there. There might be things that you can get uh, from some data sources, but not others. So for example, if a person had a heart bypass, you might not be able to get the surgical pathology report by going through some of these sources. So. Uh, I think a lot of cool things have happened. A lot of tools are being come to the forefront to expedite things, but it's still R&D in the most part. Uh, there's still gonna be a lot of hiccups along the way, some bumps along the way, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. Well, that's great, thank you. Cindy, as with these sort of shift to physical, executive physicals, concierge underwriting, electronic health data, are you also seeing some of the carriers shifting the way that they want new business submitted? We, as you know, probably all too well, our, our membership really leans into the informal application. So are you seeing a shift away from that? Um, yes, pretty much uh, all of our carriers are either raising the limit that they'll use for an informal face amount. Um, they're shifting more to streamlined underwriting and using either an e-app and a um, um, some kind of a face amount where they can issue without any medical requirements at all, and and they can be quite high, um, uh, you know, in, into the millions of dollars a face amount. So that's a big change for our industry, and you know they want to really be able to focus on on the higher face amounts being the ones that they review informally, and even some of our carriers are doing away with uh, quick quotes or restricting quick quotes in the fourth quarter so that they have more time to focus on, on the true informals at the higher face amounts. So Jane, if we're if the carriers are shifting away from informal applications at the lower face amount, what and then you know are asking you to go to more of the automated streamline, is there a way that our firms can sort of help make sure that they're prepared for that? I know you have an informal questionnaire you have to help them navigate that process. Yeah, yes, very, very important. So we do have, um, I know many firms have their own informal inquiries, but we have a what I think is a really a great one that is fillable that they can certainly send to the clients and have the clients fill out so they can get a good idea of, is this going to be a complicated case? Are there questions that they need to drill down a bit more? But I would definitely say a best practice would be to um, secure a informal inquiry form. If you're able to do a quick quote, um, do so. We have a great uh, quick quote tool that allows you in minutes to get that information out to the carriers. And really those that still are accepting them uh, are able to turn those around within 24 hours. So. Those two, and in addition, we've created many, many questionnaires. So I would say, you know, reach out to any one of us if you have a, a question about a case, if you think it would um, fly through underwriting without a problem, or if you think there's going to be a problem, how to approach it. 
Uh, but for those clean cases, definitely clean cases, younger clients, if you've done the informal inquiry, looks clean. I would say really start to change your practice to look at um, the automated tools that are out there and um, processes that the carriers have really trying to move cases into so they can, as Cindy said, put more emphasis on those high touch, high face amounts um, on those larger cases. You know, if, I can, if, I can, if I can add some real quick, Jane, just to what you said there is that, you know, you talk about, you know, best practices and absolutely, if you, you get that young, healthy person, you know, just go formal with it, right? And, and even for face amounts that in the past, mm -hmm. you, you may have not done it because you think you need an APS, you know, it might be $3 million on a 50-year-old. And guess what? Now they're they're getting through and they're getting done without APSs if the health history is clean because they do all these backline, you know, back office searches with RX and claims database searches and everything. Thing. And if everything matches up, they're getting done. But one of the one of the, you know we always talk about best practices. I think one of the real best practices, though, I, I always believe should happen is that you know you have this informal form, and we never know when a case goes off the rails. You know we could have the best intentions, the person looks healthy, etc. But all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you know something comes back, and it wasn't what we anticipated. Something shows up somewhere. So we always recommend that people just take an informal form, anyways. If you'd have a formal app, just get one more signature. It's it doesn't it's not going to take a lot more time. And if something does happen, we can easily pivot with that. Thank you. And also, is there, Jane, have you created a questionnaire for automated underwriting as well? Or does the traditional formal informal work? Yeah, we have not. Um, Pacific Life has a uh, really good uh, one that they, they use. That's more for the high net worth to see if it's going to fit that process. We do have a streamlined flow sheet in our streamlined guide that really kind of uh, goes through the questions that um, you should ask, want to ask to determine whether an automated, it would fit that process or if you should go informal. Thank you. Cindy, we started this chat by talking about um, the sort of great leaps forward that the carriers have made in their processes with more streamlined, less invasive exams, the electronic health records. And I know you've been watching pretty closely what they're doing in response to the pandemic itself. Can you talk about some of the shifts you've seen the carriers make um, in response to COVID? Sure, sure, great question. You know, in the beginning there was, when there was so much unknown and we really didn't know what direction it was gonna go and, and mortality just in general was so high. Um, we did see a lot of carriers come out with very, very strict rules. Um, you know, some wouldn't issue over age 70. Um, they weren't giving good health credits or table shaves. Uh, they weren't issuing over certain um, table ratings. And, it, you know, it was very, uh, each carrier had their own set of rules. And um, thankfully, you know, now that we've kind of weathered the storm, we are seeing carriers loosening up on their guidelines. We keep track and um, it is published on our partner's website um, banner um, in our weekly product updates. We try to keep track of who's making the changes in each direction. We keep a grid internally that we often share for what carriers are restricting over age 70. And we've seen um, most of our carriers go back to sort of pre-COVID rules um, you know, lifting their restrictions. There's still quite a few that 
um, are cautious at the older ages and um, higher rate classes, particularly if it's a comorbid condition. But most of them have lightened up their guide, their, their restrictions and are making it much easier, you know, much like it was in pre-COVID time. Does having a vaccination um, help when you're doing the underwriting process? Yes, it's funny. Um, in the beginning, most of the carriers would not take that into account, but um, as time's gone on, and I think the vaccine has proven, um, you know, politics aside, some success that we have seen carriers say if they're fully vaccinated, then their restrictions are different. And, and you know, we think that's a great thing. So, and, and that is something that shows up in the claim status. So they have a way to verify it uh, um, uh, materially, not just, you know, show me your card. <laughs> So electronic health data coming back around goes full yeah. circle. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, the three of you, for giving the, us this wonderful update. I know that you are all are very connected with our carriers and with the industry at large. So we'll check in with you again soon and hear more about what's happening in the underwriting space. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Thank you.